0: Welcome. Cheers. This is what the if. What'll you have? The what the if bar. We'll get to our topic in just a second. I was teasing it a little bit there. You can hear a little. A little fizzing, maybe. Um, uh, Matt and uh, Gabby are here. I'm uh, Philip Shane documentary filmmaker. And um, Gabby, how would you describe yourself?
1: I am a graduate student in microbiology, well, virology um, at the Rockefeller University. But overall, microbes, germs, and all things too small for the human eye that aren't atoms are sort of my jam.
0: <laughs> that's, a, that's a wide domain. That's pretty great.
1: Oh, yeah. Vast tracts of extremely small land. <laughs>
0: um, Matt Stanley, how are you? How would you identify yourself to the aliens? Uh, when they show I,
2: I am a professor who has just turned in his final grades for the semester. So uh, that's all, all, all you really need to know about my state of
0: mind. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. And by final grades, you mean your, the grades of your students? Oh, that they is correct. Did, they they, they
2: submit the grades for me shortly after. So, let's got
0: right. <laughs> I was going to say, they turned the tables on you. Um, well, congratulations on that. And congratulations to all your students, uh, everyone there at uh, NYU, my alma mater as well, uh, from film, film School there. Um, and we have a very special guest who we're welcoming back, Chris Carberry, CEO of Explore Mars, and the president of the association with the greatest name on the planet, the Space Drinks Association. <laughs> How are you, Chris?
3: I am doing well. And yes, we've tried hard to find the perfect title for our new organization. So we, we think it's going to be a huge success, but I'm doing yeah. very well. Thanks for having
0: me on. I, what I love is the, the word drinks. Was that something like the, the, that being in there is a fun thing you know, president space association. Those are all kind of normal, uh, buttoned up words. And then you get drinks in there. That's,
3: it just like frees it. the whole thing up. It doesn't seem nearly as conservative. <laughs> so. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: It's fun. It makes people smile. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to get right to where what the if, and then we're going to hear a little bit more about Chris, uh, as we learn. And, um, there's a lot going on, on Mars. And Chris uh, is the CEO of explore Mars. And, um, Next week coming up, we'll talk about it a little bit more later, but uh, you're hosting the Mars Innovation Forum. So Mars is in the news. Um, There's a lot going on. Uh, Mars is hopping. In fact, the helicopter on Mars is hopping too. And so um, we also have, this is completely unrelated, but uh, small businesses not really always in the news, but always around. But I feel like with the whole economy trying to come back, small business obviously is one of those interest, areas of interest. Being a very small business person myself in terms of physical stature, as well as my business is very small on <laughs> documentary films. Um, but I'm always interested in entrepreneurial type things like this. And I didn't realize this be just, just before the show talking about this was Chris. So our What The If this week is What The If... you could open a small business on Mars. If you could open a small business on Mars, wow, that'd be great. What would you do? The Space Drinks Association being among your um, uh, your leadership uh, jurisdiction, Uh, and Gabby, I believe you have an interest in, um, you said you are a amateur brewer. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. 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 Three attempts at fermenting things have gone. (laughs) All right. Great. And then, eh. So yes, I would consider that amateur brewer. And also as a grad student, general alcohol enthusiast.
0: (laughs) And I, I happen to live right next to, and I'm looking, I look out the window, I see it right now, the Brooklyn Brewery. I live right next to the Brooklyn Brewery, a fine beer, by the way. Available, uh, perhaps, at your local craft beer uh, place. Um, So, uh, Gabby's going to be opening a bar. uh, Perhaps it it would be called a tavern. Gabby, think of the name. Might I
1: suggest suggest that I am opening a Martian microbrewery? Because I am a fan Um, of alliteration.
0: Nice. That's (laughs) that's good. Martian. That's really good, actually. You should get that that URL right now, Martian Martian microbrewery. Uh, Matt... What kind of small business would you operate on, um, Mars?
2: Well, I think the, the key to operating a successful small business is figuring out a, a gap in the market um, and then taking advantage of that. So I think the, the big gap in the market on Mars would be oxygen production um, because uh-huh. everybody is currently <laughs> just dying from not being able to breathe. Um, so whatever the micro, micro, brewery isn't the right word, right? micro I don't know micro yeah. photosynthesis yeah. Well, like, something I like see
0: that your ambitions are fantastic because I love how you said a small business but in fact you would be the guy who owns the air <laughs> everybody would have to um, pay yeah. you to, that's really smart He's a little Jeff Bezos uh, actually yes
1: you're in the supervillain territory yes,
2: yes I'm willing to accept that yeah
3: hey mm-hmm. and air has been created on Mars for the first time very recently so
1: the technology
3: has
0: been proven.
2: See, yeah, there a, we go. My, my the, business plan I, is ready to go. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, Chris, Chris, as, as the um, business consultant here, you can help our two young entrepreneurs. Um, and uh, let's start with Matt's grand ambition. What's 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 happening on you were telling us about uh, oxygen. Oxygen is newly arrived on Mars.
3: It has. This is very exciting. Of course, we've all heard about a lot of the experiments going on with the Perseverance rover. We've all seen the great images of the helicopter, and that's spectacular. You know, now that's going to be important when we have humans on the surface and they can utilize drones. But there is a much more, you know, much more significant, less sexy, because it didn't have great images, but a much more significant experiment that took place over the last few weeks called MOXIE. And MOXIE Utilized, you know, basically sucked in the CO2 atmosphere of of Mars and created oxygen for the first time ever Now we've known for years. This is probably possible, you know, it's basic chemistry We've known since the 19th century, you know, we should be able to turn the CO2 into oxygen, but We'd never done it and but this This is huge for anybody who's following the dream of sustainability on Mars, building cities on Mars or anywhere in between, you know, because we, you know, essentially, if you want any, any sort of long term uh, habitability on Mars or anywhere else, you have to find a way to live off the land. You can't just bring everything from Earth whenever you need new supplies. That's not very efficient and extremely expensive. And so by showing that we can create oxygen on Mars, that pretty much proves that we can live off the land. Obviously, oxygen is very important, but if you have a source of hydrogen, which we actually do, which I'll get there in a second, yeah, on Mars, you, know, you can, of course, create water, and you can create fuel at the same time as well. And so yeah, there is, but there is hydrogen on Mars. You can bring it with you, but that's still less efficient. But there's also a lot of water on Mars. We still have to determine how easy it is to extract. But nonetheless, it's there, and actually in quite a quite a large volume. Not compared to Earth, but it's there's still a lot of water on Mars. The trick will be how easy is it to get to? So I, I think this business model, if you can be there, the first commercial venture to start utilizing the atmosphere utilizing the water on mars to create oxygen but also potentially the water and the fuel you, you will be the first trillionaire on mars
2: so it's no that's, longer that's a small business yeah. you
3: you you are <laughs> you are titan of industry on mars and then what's and the then...
2: actual chemical process they're using
3: you know, I, I'm gonna be embarrassed by not being able to give you exactly the answer on that. My my oh, background's okay. policy, but it's it's uh mm-hmm. yeah, um, no,
0: it's the it's the recipe. You don't want to give away the recipe on yeah, yeah,
3: pretty much. I, I'm lying here. I don't <laughs> want to give away that recipe. But it I just know it's a pretty basic process that they've been doing here on earth for many decades. And I'm, not many decades, I think over well over a century. And I'm embarrassed, I just can't remember if I'm blanking mm-hmm. on the process itself. <laughs>
0: yes. Oh, we'll no That's right. We'll get the Dukes of Hazard. Uh,
3: yeah. On meanwhile, it. all my colleagues in the space community. Oh, I can't believe Chris doesn't know the name of the process. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: to uh, to immediately reveal Matt's uh, recipe, it is solid oxide electrolysis, um, which I just didn't think is essentially that they're using a like a metal catalyst to. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's separating oxygen atoms from the carbon dioxide, um, but I think it might be doing that through some kind of metal catalyst. All
2: right. That sounds right.
3: <laughs> it's very sad yeah. I didn't know, since I also speak to the head, the guy who's in charge of that project all the time, who is also taking part in our event next week. <laughs>
0: so. No, no, but that's why, that's why people need to sign up for the Mars Innovation Forum. That's true. I will learn. pay attention Imagine next week during good. my event. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So, um, Matt, what will you name your, your business? Um, let's
2: see here. That's a good question. Suffocate dot com.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. And uh, I have a, I have a motto for you to air okay. is human. Oh, that's good. Ah.
3: And, and then you can have that image of Arnold Schwarzenegger in total recall, you know, when he's supposed eyes bulging eyes and all of a they terraform <laughs> Mars in four point five seconds. <laughs> that's
0: the way that's to do a, it. Very efficient. Fantastic. So you've already got your spokesman um on a, that's fantastic. And so to spend your trillions, you're gonna need a, a place to spend that and to relax mm-hmm. after a you know a hard day's being a Titan. And, um, you'll want to go to, um, the tavern and it's,
1: what was the name again?
0: Uh, Gabby? Martian
1: microbrewery.
0: Martian microbrewery. Yeah. You're going to, because you're not going to go to like the Budweiser, which will be down, you know, you're going to go to the, cause you're a man of, yeah. you're a classy you're a person, mm-hmm. and you're going to go <laughs> and, um, the Martian microbrewery. And so what, what does Gabby need, um, to get started building them? um, microbrewery on Mars.
3: Well, there are a lot of unknowns, so we have to figure a lot of this stuff out. And it's funny you mentioned Budweiser because Budweiser has been actually investing in being the first beer manufacturer on Mars, so watch out. Yeah. You might be scooped <laughs> no. by Budweiser. Yes. No, wow. How
2: wow. are they going to get those horses into the yeah.
3: station? <laughs> <laughs> Clydesdale's on Mars. Yes. They, they could probably be racehorses on Mars with that low... Gravity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's
2: right. That'd be cool.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now, actually, I'm so I'm really curious about that. So, that, and w- w- when you say that, what is, w- what are they doing? How serious are they? Like,
3: they were serious. Well, back in 2017, I believe it was, they had a big press conference at South by Southwest in Austin. And they had their chief scientist, the chief marketing guy. They also had some celebrities as well, as well as an astronaut. And they declared they wanted to be the first beer manufacturer on Mars. And, of course, we thought, of course, this is just a PR stunt, you know, trying to grab some of that, well, that sexiness from the commercial space industry. (laughs) But they did turn around and they have sent up four um, barley experiments, you know, basically germination, growing and just basically seeing how... um, Barley reacts in microgravity. Now, part of that wow. was to see if it has any lessons for their product here on Earth. But the mm-hmm. big picture issue is your or, or or goal, you know, whether I don't know how serious they are about the Mars goal, but that's part of the PR. But it's very important, you know, beyond whether you want to have beer or whiskey, you know, in space. This experiment that uh, Budweiser has invested in. It is actually very interesting because it's a a non-traditional company investing in a capability, a technology that is essential for sustainability, basically investing in space agriculture. And so I think this is a wonderful thing when companies like Budweiser or other companies who have something and have their product in mind, but all of a sudden inadvertently or intentionally are actually investing in a critical technology, you know, that's gonna be able to enable future habitation. <clears throat> but going back to the micro Mars microbrewery, um, you know, all these issues are important. You know, can we grow stuff on Mars? That's a big question. If we can't if we can't grow anything on Mars, we're not going to be able to create indigenous alcohol on Mars either. And of course, Mm -hmm. that's one of the topics, not the indigenous alcohol, but the growing stuff on Mars. It's one of the topics of our Mars Innovation Forum next week. It's called Feeding Mars, where we have people talking about agriculture, as well as other ways of manufacturing food, like synthetic biology, uh, stuff like that. And so that that's the biggest question to start off with, you know, because all the other issues about whether you can, how, how one-third gravity impacts um, uh, distillation or brewing, you know, fermentation is secondary if we can't grow anything. But then we have to figure out what is the impact of one-third gravity. We should probably have a one, I assume they'll create close to one atmosphere. So you'll have that but you know what what will this i we don't know you know will one third gravity impact the process will it create a whole will it still ferment but do it in a different way there's a whole possibility that we're going to create mm-hmm. whole new cl- categories of alcohol imagine if the atmosphere that we're in as well as the gravity do it a different you know produce alcohol in a slightly different way and plus what are your feed stocks mm. on earth we have traditional oh. crops that we use they work very well they're plentiful here on earth because they're easy everything's plentiful here and so yeah. we use what we know works best but we don't use a huge number of products crops that we could we could create alcohol with pretty much any biomass as long as you can extract the sugars And so what, you know, what would be the feedstock? So if all of a sudden you start using algae and not necessarily, or other products, you know, things that you're not necessarily going to eat, but you then you can use the waste to be the feedstock for your alcohol. And then you have that impact of the... The gravity, but also the terroir or maybe the Mars war, Uh, you know, (laughs) you know, the sample, how what's the the soil of Mars? How is that going to impact the taste, particularly a beer when you're doing a. Still beverage, you're going through more of a process, so it's not going to have as much of an impact. well whiskey makers will argue, of course, you know, and scotch, you know, of course, you can taste taste the Scottish soil and the peat of well, the peat you can, but that's a separate process. Often, yeah, no, um, yeah we I can imagine peaty scotches. So I certainly appreciate that. Oh, but, me too.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Lagavulin and uh, yeah, um, uh, I can predict that uh, it maybe Budweiser may have stiff competition in Smirnoff uh, because we know the vodka right because we know that there I know from the Martian movie and book that you can grow <laughs> potatoes on Mars right if that is accurate
3: it is actually accurate and there's actually an organization a partnership between NASA Ames Research Center and the International Potato Center, yes, there's such a thing, (laughs) at Uh, at Lima, Peru, basically, the capital of potatoes around the world. Um, Uh And basically, they've been looking at whether you can, you know, what would be the best uh, variant of potato? It would be most suitable to Mars. Potatoes can grow in the most, you know, most uh, extreme environments on Earth. They're up high altitude, cold weather all over the place. And so they've been looking at different variants and seeing how, you know, how extreme can you get and still grow a potato and how close to the Martian atmosphere. They're not saying we're going to grow potatoes out in the exposed, you know, the regular Martian atmosphere. But if you can create if you can start growing potatoes in an environment that's not suitable for humans, but you can still grow crops, you don't have to use theoretically nearly as much power. You don't have to create as much oxygen. And so you can you can have a much. Grow much more crops because you don't have to use that energy because, you know, any any of this stuff, you know, for one person, you need a lot of square footage, you need a lot of energy just to create. The food for one person if you're thinking of feeding you know half a dozen a dozen fifty a hundred and or the millions that we keep hearing about in you know from various players in the space industry that's going to take a lot of real estate and a lot of energy and so if you can yeah. find ways of doing it with less at least let, fewer resources that is a good thing
1: yes so think- Matt's
0: air and gabby's potatoes go ahead.
1: Yeah. I, they, they, you know, they dovetail really well. I was going to say that, that talking about, you know, choosing the right potato for the Martian surface is, you know, make me think too of, you know, Chris, you mentioned, you know, maybe we develop entirely different types of alcohol for fermenting. And of course, I'm thinking of as the biologist, you know, what is our, what are our Martian GMOs going to be? Because if you are bringing plants to space, you might want to tweak them a little bit to make sure that they're adjusted to, you know, getting there. Can the seeds handle microgravity? Can they handle a third of gravity? So, um, you know, since a part of brewing is, you know, sugar, you need something that you can extract the sugar out of. I wonder if we're just going to be growing, you know, one really concentrated, you know, plant that's just some weird hybrid of something that's just going to be, you know, cranking out the most sugar with the least square footage possible. That's interesting.
3: That would be interesting, you know you know, really manufacturing plants that are specifically focused for needs on Mars or anywhere else. That That's, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I certainly had thought of, you know, I knew there were a lot of thoughts of, you know, tailoring certain plants, but I hadn't thought about, you know, that, you know, really tailoring, creating a plant with that, that level, a heightened level of sugar that would be easy to extract. Interesting.
0: Yes. And then so we know that, that we'll get Mexican coke on Mars. Yeah, um, we will. A super, sugary, <laughs> super sugary version. That'll be good. Now, my small business that I'm going to open up is a movie theater. And uh, for my movie theater, I'm going to need uh, popcorn. And mm. so, is do we have any chance of growing uh, corn on Mars or is corn... What's the rate you know, when we get from potatoes to corn or something? Are we now getting into the zone of things that are really hard? Because It seems to me, what little I know about <laughs> is very little. Uh, about agriculture, but it seems that in the United States, corn is everywhere, right? If you drive anywhere, you see corn. So it seems to be relatively easy to make. But how does that fit into Mars? Do we know? You know what? That's a good question. I have not heard
3: of anybody talking about corn on Mars. And that doesn't mean it's Uh, not happening. I'm just wondering, because, you know, a lot of okay. other grains, but the grains are a little more simple because it's less of a process before you get to the actual corn. Yeah. And so, you know, you have to build grow the whole plant and then it grows out and grows, you know, uh it grows the corn. So I'm not even sure on that one. I have not heard anybody talking about corn on Mars, but maybe because it is, you know, there are... It takes longer, and it's a lo- it's a more complex process than just a potato, which the potato grows in the ground, or you right. know barley, you know, which is actually a little more straightforward in the in the growth period and process. You know, I'm not no expert on all of these things. I'm not a farmer, but um, right. you know, but I had not, but I do know what I've heard people talking about over many many years on what suitable crops are, and corn. Uh, To my knowledge has not come up once, at least in my discussion. So I don't know if that means it's not viable or at least practical. It's probably viable. But, you know, what's the practicality? Uh, But I I wouldn't put that high on my list of probables, at least initially. So so basically, if you're creating bourbon, well, you can't officially because it has to be done in the United States. You, you wouldn't be able to um, <laughs> at least grow your own corn. You're better off with the more traditional Scottish approach, you know all the barley you know using barley.
0: Ah, that's is- well, we're going to have to get the corn going because we're going to we need crop circles. I mean, if crop circles belong anywhere, they belong on Mars, so gonna- well, I, go-
1: I was thinking if if it's low gravity, I wonder, you know, corn gets really tall. I mean, oh, speaking yeah. of someone who grew up in the suburb, like, like the more rural area, it's creepy if you just see like a field of corn out there at night. And I wonder if, yeah. you know, low gravity, that stuff's going to grow so much taller. <laughs> it's going to be yeah. unfettered. This is real children of the corn stuff.
3: Okay, that's you only right. have 50, yeah, 50 foot corn. <laughs> yeah. That's right.
2: Well, and actually, that's a significant thing because the, the limiting size of certain um, staple crops like rice and corn is actually how much weight the, um, the stock can hold. Uh, before it it breaks, um, so that might actually so Mars might actually be a good place to do some agricultural experimentation with like giant, uh, giant rice uh, plants.
3: Yeah. Very, that would be fascinating. And of course, we have no yeah. way of testing that here on Earth. You just have to be on yeah. Mars, uh, and because this this is once we're there, you know, it's going to be. Think of all the things that you know have been theoretical forever. Everybody's been speculating about. What will it be like to grow this? What will it be like to do this process? But we still have no idea, except in little limited amounts of times when we're simulating Martian gravity, whether it be on like a, a parab- parabolic flight or in a centrifuge. But, you know, that's really, really limiting. It's not really giving you true big data it's just you know a hint of maybe this is what is going to happen but we don't have a big enough data set here you know we we need actual time we need you know volume and volume and time and you're not going to get that without uh going to mars or creating some really big rotating vehicle in space that's simulating mars gravity the closest thing that we've had was actually uh this um Satellite, which was not really big, it was still, but it was a gravity, it was a, an agriculture uh, satellite that European Space Agency sent up a couple, a couple of years ago, yeah. probably three years ago by now, called, uh, 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 what is it called? <laughs> um And wow. essentially, essentially, it's a, uh, it's a greenhouse that spun up first to lunar gravity, one sixth. Then spun up to Mars gravity to see how things, you know, how things would grow. Unfortunately, the greenhouse part of it failed from what I heard. You know, they uh, they were going to grow tomato plants, but there were other experiments like synthetic biology ones. Apparently, I haven't heard the results of these yet, but I, I do, just heard the other day that, you know, that the synthetic biology ones were able to move forward, even though the greenhouse was not
0: able to, unfortunately. Oh, this is fascinating. So we, we have our um, our senior researcher, Gabby a uh, different Gabby, Will um, she she adds uh, to our website, whattheif.com, where I encourage everyone to go, uh, where you can find all our episodes, but uh, she adds you know, additional materials um, that you can learn about stuff that we mentioned on the show. And so I look forward to, uh, I did not know about that satellite at all. Yeah. I'm sure Gabby will find a link to it when you can check that out. Um, So uh, as we sort of start to wrap up, I want to, you know, you mentioned small business. What opportunities are out there for people like you, you, Chris, you were saying um, earlier that, uh, you know, even with relatively small investment, people could be getting into this market. Yeah, it's not. You're not
3: likely to open a small business on the surface of Mars anytime soon. Right. Uh, Right. Right. Even with the grandest visions it's not going to be a cheap affair to open a business on Mars. However, but I I think eventually we'll get there. I just think you're more likely to be able to make a a product and make a profit, you know, by Mm -hmm. looking at what is needed to create sustainability on Mars. And that's what exactly what the focus of our conference next week is. Looking at all these elements. Yeah, we know. Okay. We know we have a lot of great rocket companies that are building the rockets, the vehicles, but, and those are critical, but there are a lot of other things, including what we talked about earlier. We need to breathe. We need to eat. Yep. Uh, we need to communicate efficiently. You know, we can't speed up the speed of light. Um, so there's uh-huh. going to be a gap, in, you know, a lag in time in communication, you know, um, but, you know, we can improve the, how robust that communication network is, how much um, bandwidth right now it's, not particularly great bandwidth, so figuring out these issues, artificial intelligence, how that's going to, you know, enable more independence on Mars. Um, uh, medicine, of course, different medical techniques, just ways of creating autonomy. That's the key thing, you know. So if we, how can we grow things? How can we use the resources? How can we, how can we truly be independent of Earth? Because because to create sustainability, we need to create that at least semi-independence, because, yeah, otherwise it just gets too too expensive and too massive an undertaking to always have to send all of the resources from Earth to Mars. And so not all of these processes require billions of dollars uh, of investment, at least to get going. Many of them probably just a few million, some less, you know, under a million, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands. Look at particular problems, and how can you help enable something? And this isn't just the aerospace companies. What we're trying to focus on is this is this this, uh, this is companies, businesses all over the world, all over the country, that may not even know that they are working on technologies that may be highly relevant to sustainability in space. One company in particular, uh, which they, they do know the relevance for space, but it's an interesting one, Aleph Farms in Israel. You may have seen in the news recently, they recently 3D printed using synthetic biology a steak. Basically just using the <laughs> cells of a cow and they were able to grow a steak. And there are a lot of companies working on this and they've gotten very good actually. Some of them you can't they can create whatever cut you want. The quality just with a few Few cells. I remember watching this company that's in California that did chicken, and they were sitting down to lunch for a chicken lunch, and the chicken that they were eating walked by. <laughs> because all you need to do is grab a few cells. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so that so it's not nice likely touch. we're going to bring cows, chickens, and fish. Eventually, we probably will bring some. But yeah if you can just bring a few cells from each animal, you don't kill the animal. You just bring a few cells and you have a limited supply of meat and can create, you know, and can really work on its health qualities as well at the same time. You know, that 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 is a game changer for sustainability. You know, for years, people were saying, well, of course, the Martians will be vegan because we're not going to bring cows to Mars. And, uh. You know, no, I don't think that's the case. And particularly if you can actually do it this way. And you're actually not killing the animals either. So yeah. it's kind of <laughs> best of both worlds there.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So um, is the forum um, for people who are entrepreneurs who are interested in, in this business? Is that- It, what, it what is. Of... That's
3: one of the markets. we love entrepreneurs, that's... you know, just people who can look at a problem, look at it through the Mars lens also. And what the, one of the big things is to see- what are the opportunities, what are the challenges, how can we overcome these problems For you know that might occur on Mars and might enable Mars, but also flip that around, how can looking at these big issues, these big challenges through the Mars lens actually enable us to create innovations that could have a dramatic impact here on Earth? Because whenever yeah. we're looking at a problem here on Earth, mm-hmm. it's focused on Earth, and so we often have incremental change And we're not really motivated to create too much efficiency, even though we say we are on Mars. You have no choice. You need to be extremely efficient or you might die. And so that's a great motivator. And so if we can create these processes on Mars that, you know, suited to the Mars, arid Mars environment, then realize, oh, my goodness we could translate this directly back to earth and all of a sudden we have like a 90% or 95% efficiency where we've had whatever, much less, you know, I think, I think there are tremendous opportunities, not only to create some of these innovations that help Mars, but also that really could transform earth because we are, we are looking at problems in a completely different way than we've ever looked at them in human history.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, it always has seemed to me that in, working to terraform mars for instance you actually will learn how to re-terraform the earth um perhaps
2: yeah and that's you know that's um part of the incentive of kind of the first generation of people thinking about um space colonization back in the late 60s uh and early 70s people like gerard O'Neill, um they're explicitly talking about closed environment Systems like space stations, um, so they could prevent environmental disaster um, uh, here on Earth. Uh, right. And if you're interested in more of that, I'd suggest you read books by my friends uh, Peter Anker, uh, A N K E R, uh, and Patrick McRae, uh, both of which were written on this.
0: Oh, right on, right on. And I believe, but mm-hmm. there's a new documentary about Gerard O'Neill uh, that came out. Uh, yes, I that's
2: from, right. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't Keener. seen it yet, but it yeah, I haven't there. seen it
0: either. But I'd love to. Um, so, uh, Gabby, what what would be your um, What's your most pressing question in getting this bar? Uh, let's say you've gotten to Mars. Uh, what do you? What do you need? I think I think advertising is a big part of it. I think oh, your yeah. first. Here's what I think. Actually, forget before you get the the bar part. It may be like a brewery. Like well, you <laughs> also need
3: glassware. You need glassware. Yeah. Well, there <laughs> yeah, are companies right. working on the glassware. Fantastic. <laughs> Mostly for microgravity, but you know, there people are thinking all the way through. You know how you're going to furnish wow. furnish and you know create create the glasses for your bar. You know it's not you don't want it to just go in there and squirt it in your mouth and are just <laughs> uh, you know. And on Mars, you have gravity, so it's not going to be as efficient. And this is another really? big question about pouring pouring the liquid into a glass on Mars. Oh, now, yeah, now sure. we do have one. One example, maybe more than one, but one that's famous uh, of gro- you know, pouring an alcoholic beverage into a glass on the surface of the moon. Mm-hmm. Buzz Aldrin mm-hmm. ah. conducted a communion yes. ceremony on the surface of the moon and poured wine that's into right. a goblet. So apparently it went down very slowly, not surprisingly, and slowly swirled around. And so probably on Mars, it would be similar, but just a little bit faster. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but it, it'll be interesting how all those things will be managed because, you know, in microgravity, they have created, you know, their companies working on scotch glasses, whiskey, you oh, know, cocktail glasses. Um, I even have a microgravity cocktail glass around here somewhere. What? Um, and, <laughs> but there's also this company, uh, Maison Mum. Champagne company, obviously in France, (laughs) otherwise it wouldn't be a champagne company, Um, um, is creating a champagne, but also the glass to drink in microgravity that tested in the European version of the parabolic flights of the zero G flights. And (laughs) they wanted to make sure if you're having their product, they also wanted to enhance the conviviality of uh, drinking their product in microgravity if they're a space hotel. So I think a similar mm-hmm. thing needs to be created for this Mars bar. I d- haven't heard of too many people or any actually that have been thinking about the glassware for one third or one six G and you may not need a difference. It may be just suitable to use the same ones, but maybe it would need to be a bit different shape based on the gravity and how the gravity is going to play with the glass and, and, Funnel into the actual glassware, so we may just have, uh, you know, a whole different type of glassware based on the gravity.
1: Hmm. I think that is actually kind of funny to think about because I always remember it. It was like my first week in the laboratory. I have a note in my like very very first lab journal, which was, "Do not assume that things that look like water behave like water, because I learned the hard way that (laughs) ethanol does not have as good of a surface tension as water, and so when you try to pipette it." Long, thin, measured things that we use to allocate specific amounts of liquid. It just shot out the end because I was relying awesome. on it having, I guess, more surface tension than it did, and it just was dripping everywhere across the table. Um, and it was That's a mess. Great. So now, thinking about that in um, a third of gravity is, I think, uh, giving me a little bit of uh, PTSD uh, to that <laughs> when I just basically yeah. spilled a gallon of ethanol.
0: Yeah, and I must say, I I enjoy I love Guinness beer and uh, you know I like to go to the bars the Irish bars or wherever where they take care in pouring it and you know there's a whole routine right you pour and then it rests they let it sit I imagine trying mm-hmm. to it, it took them I know it took them years and years and years it, for, for, for many decades you could not get Guinness in a bottle or a can because they just couldn't figure out a way to do it and eventually they did so you can now get it right in a can it's got some sort of actually like a CO2 cartridge in it or something that Keeps it fresh. Anyway, yeah, but Guinness this
3: might be difficult. I mean, with one beers with a high carbonation, uh-huh. um, that's problematic in space. Now, uh-huh. basically, you know, I um, think I mentioned this last time I was on, you know, with carbonation, carbonated beverages are difficult in space because carbonation uh-huh. doesn't react the same. It does here on Earth, as it does here on Earth. You know, it just goes up, disperses into the atmosphere. Sometimes a little more slowly than others, like with Guinness, where it just sits the air, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. at the top. Mm. But you know, it's still at the top. It's just, you know, other factors going on there. But um, you know, but in your well, in space, microgravity rather, the carbonate, the gas goes to the center and starts expanding like this, oh, and right. does that in your stomach, and it creates stomach cramps and wet burps. And so mm. there, there are actually <laughs> yeah. companies. There's a company in Australia called the Created Vostok Beer, uh, that it was a collaboration between a brewery, Four Pines Brewery, and Saber Astronautics, an aerospace company, trying to figure out the problem. Because they did settle on a, a stout, because you also, in your microgravity astronauts, report that they have a limited their their. Sense of taste is diminished. They feel like they have a head cold. So you need something with a stronger taste. Uh, yeah. But ah. you know, they need to find the right balance of um of carbonation. So when I'm speaking to British audiences, I say they need a stout but with less carbonation. Um, they say, well, that sounds like a British beer. And so okay. <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> right. So they said, so I guess we'll be drinking British beers, at least in microgravity. We once again, right. we don't know about one third or one sixth.
0: And they don't need refrigeration because British beer is also... Yeah,
3: warm. no, it seem, yeah. seems like a
0: good solution. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I, for, I foresee a slogan, which is the the Guinness burp of world records. <laughs> you know, the wet burp. So, uh, uh, I, don't if that yeah. I don't know that sounds too appealing. I don't that's... Uh, right. See, they got to they work on it. That you're will not be a new, not do... a new
3: sport.
0: Yeah, a new sport, you What's the name of your bar, uh, Gabby. The Martian microbrewery. Martian microbrewery. Actually,
2: yeah, it seems like it's got to be the Mars bar. The
1: the Mars bar is good. I just, you know, can I get sued for space copyright infringement?
2: Oh, well, that's actually an interesting question is um, Mars presumably is not a signatory to international copyright conventions. Um, So maybe Mars (laughs) would be kind of a, a wild west for intellectual property infringement. Um, which might be uh, a small business of its own. Now that I think about it, uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's true.
2: Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Tr-
0: yeah, I would say after the uh, after the farmers and the brewers come the lawyers for sure. <laughs> so, that right. sounds <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah.
3: I don't know the, the lawyers might be there first, or
2: yeah, that's they're true.
3: already <laughs> talking about it. So that that's another area There's a dip for a different conversation. I'm sure you've had them, but big growing area in the space community is space law that, that really is booming right now. Oh, so yeah. anyway, I think it'll just explode in the 2020s because we are, we are on the verge of a lot of interesting things this decade. So space law is going to be big.
0: That is yep. actually, we've not done something on that. That would be interesting. We should do that.
1: Space um, laws, of course, make me think of space outlaws, which is just infinitely spe- sexier than space. <laughs> <outlaws>. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, you gotta have one without the other. Um, mm-hmm. So, Chris, how can people um, find out more about you, about Space Drinks Association, and uh, how can they sign up for the uh, Mars Innovation Forum?
3: Well, starting off with the Mars Innovation Forum, which is next week, virtually May 25th through 27th, Go, just go to exploremars.org and you'll find a link to the registration site. Uh, we hope you'll be there. it should be lots of fun. And, we, of course, we hope to start doing in-person things again <laughs> sometime soon, but not yeah. quite yet. For the MAR for the Space uh, Drinks Association, we haven't officially announced it yet, but it's a 501 C five oh one C six trade organization. And so you can go to spacedrinks.space right now to see the website, but there'll be a lot more added to it over the next few months and we'll be starting to announce a number of programs. Not just fun stuff, but looking at some of these real problems that we've talked about here, as well as some of the ethical stuff, you know, and what what might be the challenges, the dangers as well. So it's not just, oh, let's go get, you know, let's inebriated in space, but let's look at opportunities, challenges, and dangers as well. To kind of really seriously look at the problems and the opportunities, but also have fun doing it. So.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, that just it just sounds fascinating. It's wonderful. Um, thank you. Chris, it was so good. I'm it's so great to have you. Well, thank you. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, Ah, so it's It's too
3: early that we couldn't have a drink in
0: hand. It's true, it's true. Well, as say, when are you, when are you
3: airing six. this? I mean, we can pretend we have <laughs> yeah. a drink in hand, do you
0: know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It airs actually at 5 a.m. on Friday. So, um, but I mean, it's on, uh, as a podcast. So basically, that's when it shows up on your apps. You can listen to it at any time of day. So save it for the uh, happy hour and start playing. Mm-hmm. That would be fantastic with your app. Uh, by the way, if you haven't subscribed, do so. And that's how the podcast shows up automatically on your podcast every Friday. Um what the if, the F is for Friday, uh, like TGIF, <laughs> right? That's a new thing. I just made that up. Now I'm really stuck on Fridays. Um, put myself in a the box there. So uh, check that out. And um, Matt, is there anything you'd like to, to plug? Uh,
2: let's see here. Yeah, I'll be, um, if you want to hear me talk about uh, the universe and you, um, yeah. uh, one day university will be having me give a virtual lecture on um, let me check the date here. Uh, June. So it's just about
0: the universe and me in particular. That is correct. Yeah. So <laughs> the strange. universe and
2: Philip, <laughs> Um Let me know, uh, but you can go to uh, One Day University and check that out if you are so inclined.
0: One Day University, indeed. Check that out. Uh, Gabby, how about you? Anything you'd like to plug?
1: Ah, uh, nothing. I guess super cool, but um, and I, I don't have a date for it yet. But uh, so my my first paper is going to be coming out sometime i'd say air quotes soon they have to slot it in this time for publication um i'll let you know the date keep your eyes out for in plus one rna guided gene editing of the murian gamma herpes virus 68 genome reduces infectious virus production rolls off the tongue yes (laughs)
3: that's very exciting (laughs)
1: okay
0: so what my takeaway from that is you 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 have a way you have a way to make less herpes.
1: Yes, but only okay. mouse herpes. Very specifically a mouse.
2: Thank God. <laughs> for certain among us, that will be very
0: helpful. Yeah, boy. Well, yeah, you don't want to get herpes from your mouse, your pet <laughs> mouse. That's just, just a bad thing. But don't give it to them either. So that's good. That's
2: okay. And plus one, if I remember right, is um, open access. Right, so anybody can go read mm-hmm. it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh,
0: that's great. Okay. Well, congrats,
1: I'll give nice.
0: you a date when it's published, so. Yeah, very exciting, very exciting. Um, now, Chris, I'm not sure if you remember from uh, last time, but we have a ritual here. Gabby, could you explain the, how do we end? We, what, what, what and why
1: do we this? Yeah, so, us? you know, every week we try to take a hammer at the endless ifs floating around through the universe, uh, some of which have landed on Mars.
0: Some of um, which are carbonated and will give you wet burps.
1: Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> and you know we, as we are, you know pondering all of these, we cannot help but to shout the name of the show in awe and terror of all that still remains for us to ponder. So, if you would like to join,
3: sure. One, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.